Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. One of the most overwhelming things about money is everybody wants a piece of your money, right? Everybody wants to be first. Everyone wants uh, a piece of what you have, and everybody else wants to tell you how to prioritize your money. Today's message is titled, The Buck Starts Here, and I realize that may be a confusing title uh, in light of it being deer season, Uh, so once we set that out, I'm like, oh, I hope people are coming for the right thing today. If you're looking for hunting tips, you came to the wrong guy, that's for sure. Uh, But maybe another time we'll do something on that. But uh, if you're new with us, we're in week three of a series we're calling Strapped. We're going to try and just get some help in this season of life. It's going to the end of the year and Christmas and everything and start a new year and kind of just realign where we are in this because we want to live free lives. We want to live free lives without being in bondage to a financial situation. We want to be free uh, to do what we want to do, free to do what God calls us to do without having to look over our shoulder and get permission from our money to follow the Almighty King, to follow God. So we learned in the first week that uh, there's going to be a temptation to serve money. But we don't serve money, we serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. Money is a tool that we use as we serve God. And then last week, we just came around some biblical values, some financial values that we could apply to our lives and learned how to attack bondage, how to attack debt. Why do we attack debt? Because friend, debt is attacking you. We attack debt because it is attacking us. And today is going to help us on this journey because we're going to look, about, look at how we order our finances, how we order our finances. And the thing I've got to just keep bringing to the table and keep starting with is this idea and truth that God wants to bless you. God wants good things for your life. He wants good things for your finances. Now, we're not preaching a prosperity gospel when we say that. Someone's always going to throw that into the mix. That's not what we believe. That's not what we're saying. We do believe that our, in Christ, as Christians, Our best blessings are not dollars and cents. They're not land and property. They're not silver and gold. Our best blessings are spiritual blessings found in Christ, found in our inheritance in Christ, found in who Christ is, in Christ in us. But let's not let that also chip away at the idea that God wants you to be free. Let's not let that bring in an idea that God wants us to be miserable in our money. Your father is the king of the universe. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Your father created everything out of nothing and has already given us an inheritance in heaven with him. And he wants you to live free. He wants you to live a free life here and now. And hopefully that idea of freedom, hopefully that idea of peace is starting to take some root in your heart. That I can live free. So how do free people order their finances? 
See, you, you have a system. I have a system. Maybe you don't realize it or not, but you have an order. You have a process. You have a system to how you order your finances. You may have never thought about it before. You may have never dug into it before, but you have a process. You have an order. There is one there. And so how do free people come in and intentionally know what it is and order their finances? Well, this is what most, this is what most people do. Most people have an order, uh, take notes with me today, just kind of like a whiteboard on your, on your outline. This is how most people start their equation of ordering their finances. They put themselves at the top. Life is about me. Life is about what I want to accumulate. It's about who I want to be. It's about how I want to live, where I want to live. And they live, friend, a lot of people don't have what you have. They haven't come to Christ to know that there's more than a me to live for. They don't know that, there's, that they're not the center of everything. They don't know that God is the center of everything and the center of their life. And so they just live for me. And everything ultimately leads up to me. The number one priority then for a life about me is to live. Is to live. I want to live where I want to live, how I want to live, who I want to live with. That's number one for me. So I'm working towards the number one goal of me, and number one is to live. Secondly, they'll say, I do believe in saving, so when I can, I'm definitely going to save. Not the first priority, but I'm definitely going to put some aside for saving, because I want to be able to live well as long as I'm living. And then the third thing down in the equation is, of course, I want to be generous. So hopefully I've structured this in such a way that there's some money at the end of this that I can give away because I, want to be, I don't want to be a self-centered person. I want to be a generous person. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I would have written it down that way. I don't know if I'd say it that way. But as I think about my finances, that's about right. Money comes in and I've got to get around town. So I fill up my gas tank and I buy food and I fix this appliance and I do these things and I eat and I vacation and I do what I got to do and I save some away because I realize I'm going to live a long time and I need to be putting some something away and then hopefully I've structured that in a way that I can be a generous person. I don't want to live a life that's all about me but when Jesus came, Jesus came to flip this, to invert this totally because when Jesus came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life in the face of temptation, died on a cross in our place, rose from the dead, it wasn't so that he could just be added to a list in our life. It wasn't so that he would just become another spoke on the wheel. He came to restore our relationship with God, to give us his righteousness, and to build a life around him. So God wants to absolutely invert this, so that everything in our life ultimately leads up to God. It's not about us. There's a new perspective in life where I say, I am not God. Have you ever said that? I am not God. There is a God. Money's not that God. I'm not that God. There is a God that is at the center of everything and the center of my life and how I live. I want it to lead up to him. So now the first priority is I want to give back to him. Every time I get something, I'm going to recognize that this came from God. This is a blessing from him. I would have none of it if it weren't for him, and I'm going to give back to him. The second thing I want to do is I want to save, because since I'm not God, I'm not going to pretend to know that everything that's going to happen in my life, 
When I say I'm not God, I recognize I'm not in control. And there's things coming around the corner I don't know. So I'm going to save for some of those. And then, of course, I'm going to live. I'm going to live because I've got to live. And there's nothing wrong with that. You got to eat. I got to eat. We got to have a home. We want to have a home that our family wants to come home too. We got to get around town. We got to get to work. We got to live. We've got, we're not taking living off the list. Now, this isn't a poverty gospel either that says the fruit of my salvation or knowing that I'm saved is that I have a miserable life. No, we're going to live life to the full. We're not taking it off the list. We're going to live. We're just putting it in its right place. I'm not going to structure what I give based off of living saving. No, I'm going to have a lifestyle, adjust my lifestyle to what I can give and save. And the difference between these two diagrams, the difference between these two is whether or not you're going to be the head or the tail. Because in the first one, there is a, there's no blessing. In the second one, there's a tremendous amount of blessing where you can come in and say, I'm not the tail, God is making me the head and, and there is blessing with that. I'm a child of God. Where, what am I, where am I getting that? Deuteronomy 28, let's, let's look at this together. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. So this is a national blessing that it's talking about. So this would fall under national finance. This is a national finance. The United States of America could learn a lot from what we're about to read here today. But personally, as families, as individuals, we can come under this blessing. This can work personally too. Verse 3, it says, You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country, the fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will, def will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Amen. Anyone just want to amen God's sermon today and the word of God? I love that. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity, the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. And now we're getting to, the, to this paragraph here. The Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and bless all of the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. Do you see how this is being inverted? That instead of always being the one that needs the leg up, now you could give someone else a, a leg up. You could help someone else. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to all the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside 
from any of the commands I give you today to the right or the left, following other gods and serving them. And we know from Scripture, we know from the New Testament, Jesus tells us this, the New Testament tells us that the other God we're most likely to serve, that we're, about, that we're going to turn to the right or left to and serve, is a God called money. And Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. You'll be the servant to one, but not to both. And God says, I want to flip the script. And I want to change from a lifestyle. And you say, what do you mean this first one is the tail? I thought I was at the top in this one. No, because when you put yourself at the top, funny how this works, isn't it? But when you put yourself at the top, you're actually really the tail. Because now you are, everything wags you. You're wagged by the economy. You're wagged by interest rates. You're wagged, okay, let's change that to controlled because you're with me now, but you're controlled by uh, circumstances. You're controlled by your rate of pay. You're controlled by other people's decisions. And you are the tail. Everything wags you. And God says, I want to make you a child of promise. I want to make you the head. I want to bless you. But it begins with an equation saying, God, I want to follow your ways. And I want to follow what you say is the right way. And if you think about these diagrams, the, the first one, they're, well, they're both like a funnel. But the first one, the funnel's pointed the wrong direction. And you can't use a funnel very well this way because what you can capture here is not very much. So if God were to open up the storehouse of his bounty, if he were to open up the windows of heaven, your catch rate for that blessing is very small. And what's going out the back end is very sporadic. There's no focus. You, you, it's just going out. And you work for years and say, what happened to it? I've been working a long time. I've been making money a long time. But it's just spilling out and blowing out the back to where there's no blessing, there's nothing there. And God says, I want you to invert this to where your catch rate is big enough that you can be in on a blessing, that you can catch something of a blessing and you can capture some of it and then hello, now you're living a very focused life. Very focused life, which is what we want. We want purpose in our lives. We want focus in our lives. And so many of us are not achieving a focused life because our funnel's upside down. And when we focus our money, it focuses much of our life. And God says, I came to flip it. I came to invert it and I came to bless you. And when we invert this principle, we close the back door so we can focus and we capture a blessing. So let's talk about this order. If you're taking notes, uh, we're just listing these out again. We're just going to walk through them. This will be the outline for what we talk about. Uh, let's talk about giving. Let's talk about saving. Let's talk about living. But number one, we begin with a gift. A gift that is a recognition of who God is. It's putting him first. That when you get money in your life, it comes with a question. And the question is, who is God? And your answer is, well, I'm going to give back to God because I know who God is. And it's a recognition of who he is. It's a recognition that everything we have comes from God. The Bible has a word for it. It's called a tithe. And that word means tenth and it means from the top. It's a first decision, first fruit. And when we come to know God, we 
trust in Jesus Christ. We put our trust in Jesus Christ and we put him first in our life. But what can happen is that we put him first in our heart, but never really anywhere else. We put him first in our heart, but never really apply it to anything here and now. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give to God from what he's given me. First decision, first fruit. I'm going to give first. Most people, most people who love church do not do this. Okay? Most people who love church, love God, do not do this. And I'm not saying that as like a scolding statement to anyone individual. I don't know who gives what to this church. I don't see that. I don't look at that. It just comes from growing up uh, in the church and working with church people for a long time. They don't do this. And they say, I feel I could trust God with salvation. I feel that I could trust that one day he's going to save me from wrath and let me into his heaven. I trust that uh, this is the word of God. And I trust that What's in here is true, that because of God, the walls of Jericho could fall from a shout of praise. I trust that Jonah could survive in that uh, the fish for three days. I trust that Daniel could survive the lion's den, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could walk around in fire. I, I, I trust all those things. I trust that the apostles could miraculously escape prison and perform signs and wonders. They trust that the Holy Spirit came down with an exclamation of power and fire. And now that exclamation of power and fire can live in my life. And I can have the Holy Spirit burning in my life and God directing me. And because of the Holy Spirit, I can, Christ in me and me in Christ. I trust that through Jesus Christ, he can wipe away every sin and every wrong thing I've ever done and ever will do. And that my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ gives me the righteousness of Christ himself. And I'm seen as a son or a daughter of the almighty king. I trust all that, but I will not trust him with my money. I trust him with all of those things. But to trust him with my money would be too far of a leap of faith. It's just too big of a leap of faith for me. But how can I really know, like for myself, how can I know if I really trust God for all those things if I don't trust him with what's in front of me right now, if I don't trust him with my money, if I don't trust him with my marriage, if I don't trust him with my decisions and trust him with my life. This says, I trust God for all those ethereal things that don't really affect me right now. This says, I trust him with my today. I trust him with my decision right now. I trust him with my money right now. I want this. Come on, nobody uses a funnel like this. You would throw it out. You would just go without it. I want in on this. I want to be able to capture blessing of God and live a focused life. So where can you start? If you look at this, if you look at your money and say, oh my goodness, Ryland, 10%. That's not even an option in my picture right now. Well, where can you start? Can you start with a percentage? I I would encourage you to become a a first fruit percentage giver. And maybe you can't start at 10%. What percentage can you start at three? Like, where can you start? Can you just get this thing flipped over at least? Just get it turned over to where there's some percentage from the top and get the thing pointed the right way and then let it grow from there. 
If you let it grow to 10%, let it grow beyond that. I don't want to be getting close to face to face with Jesus Christ and still be hanging around the number the law gave me when now I live by grace. I'm so glad that when Jesus Christ came, he didn't give his 10%. That's good right there. He gave 100%. He gave everything he had and now we live by grace. I'm not going to hang around the law number. I'm going to make the decision in my heart. God says you can make the decision of what you want to give. And where, where can you... Where can you start? We live by grace now. Where can you start? And that grace doesn't just inform my eternal destination and my salvation decision. It informs my life. Grace informs my finances. The second thing we prioritize is savings. And I want to talk about, a little bit about savings today. This can be our only opportunity. And uh, Some believers are going to shy away from this topic Uh, Because they think that the accumulation of money or strategizing about money or playing with money is going to lead to the love of money. And they misinterpret what the Bible's saying when the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. They'll, They'll say, well, if I just have nothing to do with money, then I won't have anything to do with evil. But that's misguided. That's not even what the verse is saying. It doesn't say money is the root of all. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And God's still calling us to to manage well, to steward well. So what will we save for? Well, these three things we will save for. If you're taking notes, we're going to save for emergencies. What are emergencies? Well, your plumbing's going to break. Your car may break, break down. If you have a toddler, he or she may eat your wedding ring. And you've got to find out where in your toddler, you've got to pay for an x-ray to find out where that thing is and what it's going to do. And you may be told to watch the poop for a few days to retrieve your wedding ring. And if you don't have kids, you're like, that's gross. And if you have kids, you're like, we've done that and it's gross. You're right. You're absolutely right. The second thing we're going to save for is purchases. A new couch. Don't charge it. Save for the couch. Save for the new suit. Save for the kitchen table. Save for an automobile. We're not going into debt. We're not going to be pretenders. We're not going to be fakers. We're going to remember that this is a spiritual discipline. We're going to pay cash as we go. And then thirdly, we're going to save for the future. What's going to happen in your future? Your kids may need braces. Those are expensive. A lot of dentists will give you a percentage off if you pay cash. Your kid may want, may want to go to college. You have to, that's in the future. You're going to have to pay for that. There was a kid in the service last night, and he looked up at his dad and said, Dad, I don't want to go to college. I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> You're going to want to save for retirement so you can live as long as you are alive. If you're young, take stock in this right now. As a teen and a young adult, I wish I would have saved for the future. I went straight from giving to living, straight from giving to drum sets, straight from giving to gas, and then save for the future. I saved for purchases because I was hearing messages like this and didn't want to go into debt on those things. But the earlier you can start, the better off you're going to be. What's the principle? The principle is money plus time. Let's just skip that and go to the next one. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. Money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. And I could show you how that bears out to be true that when you go to save, when you go to invest, you don't want to try and get rich quick. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to invest in things you don't understand. You want to let money plus time plus consistency equal wealth. Maybe you don't like the word wealth. Maybe you want to put margin. Maybe you want to put freedom. Maybe you want to put peace. But there may be a day where you can't work. 
There may be a day where God calls you to do something big. And you want to be able to handle it. want to be able to do it. And the third thing in our outline today is living. And maybe you say, Ryland, are you kidding me? There's not enough left to live on. Like, why don't you just tell me to go walk on water? That would be easier. Like, let's go split the Red Sea again. That would be easier than what you're saying. But if you give and if you save, there will be enough. If you follow what God calls you to do, there will be enough. It may mean rethinking what living looks like a little bit. It may mean that you can't live up to the Instagram quality of life that all the pretenders put out there. It may mean that you can't do certain things. It may mean that you can't keep up with the pretenders, but it will mean life to the full. And it will mean eventually freedom. Maybe not by this Christmas, but it's coming. Soon I will be free, free from bondage, free to do what I want to do, what I prefer to do, free to follow the Spirit. Now the reason why this is so intimidating is because the world is spending billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to sell us this, and they're selling us this hard. To where we know, logically, that this is good, and this is right, and this will lead to a blessing, and this would solve a lot of problems, and, and this would help a lot, and this would bring me closer to God, and it would not only grow my finances, it would grow my faith, and it would grow my trust, and it would grow my wisdom. We know all that, but we have been sold this so hard and we have been deceived and I can't in one sermon reverse billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars but God's word can and the Holy Spirit can and I just pray that that would take root in your life that I think I am the head but really I'm the tail and God is calling me to live as a child of promise. Let's look at these words from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So we've got a sowing and reaping principle here. Each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, You will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So seed in good soil... Give it a season, reap a harvest. Seed in good soil, give it a season, reap a harvest. Reap more seed for more soil, for another season, for another harvest. And give what, give what you want to give. He says, decide in your heart what you should give, and keep in mind, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And they will have a harvest. 
as a church, we love to do this. So individually, uh, families as individuals, we do this. But then collectively as a church body, we do this too. We set the example and we follow this principle. As a church body, that with the first of what's given, we give it away. Outside to stuff that doesn't benefit us as other church churches that are planting and churches that we partner with and, and missionaries and organizations that are doing amazing things that we can support in Jesus' name. And then we save some. We put some away for emergencies and purchases and future. We don't live offering to offering. And then we live a very, or we have a very focused operations, very focused ministry from there. And one of our favorite things uh, is at the end of the year, we do what's called, a, we call a celebration offering. It's a Thanksgiving offering, Thanksgiving to God for what he's done of what he, and how he's carried us this year. And some people go back to the 21 days of prayer and look what they were, what God was putting on their heart and what they were praying about and see how God has carried them this year. Just look at what God has done in their life. Some people in our church call it a, the, a Christmas gift because it's like, I'm going to give everybody else in my family a gift. I'll give my heavenly father a Christmas gift too. And we call it a celebration offering because God loves a cheerful giver. And we'll take the first part of that and we'll just bless the socks off of missionaries and, and church plants and, and there's different organizations and different people. We'll give them an extra month and that's where a lot of that offering ends up going to. We'll save some, give, save, and then we'll further the vision. We got a lot of vision, but you got to be a part of it too. And so that celebration offering, the first time we'll actually give to that is going to be at a night of worship coming up on the 16th. Um, invite you to that. So much more than the celebration offering happening there. We're going to celebrate communion together, spend some time in the word and in prayer, an amazing set list of songs. It's going to be a powerful night. And you could give then or just designate your, uh, a giving gift to that uh, anytime between now and the end of the year. But we'll celebrate King Jesus as the center of our lives and position ourselves in our life to be the head, not to the, the tail. To position ourselves in our life to receive a blessing from God and to focus our life. All right, let's pray together. As your head is bowed, I just want to add today that you can get everything we talked about today right. Absolutely perfect. Be the most generous person you know. Invest perfectly. Manage money perfectly. Doesn't matter if you don't know God. God sent his son, Jesus, who was born without sin. Lived a perfect life. And as a perfect sacrifice, he went to the cross. He became sin. He shed his blood. He died and rose again. And he is the way to God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And and there's nothing good enough that we can do to earn a right standing with God. It all must come through trusting in Jesus. And if you say, I'm not walking with God. I don't know God. I don't know where I stand with God. And I haven't been good enough for God That's where every single person in this room is without Jesus, without Christ. And if you say, I need a Savior. I don't need another list of things to do. I don't need another expectation to live up to. I don't need another system. I need someone who's strong enough to save. And just pray in your heart and mind. Talk to God. And say, God, I give my life to you. And God, I trust you. I trust you right now. 
I trust you for my eternal destination. And God, help me to trust you with everything in between. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.